Thank you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast, where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. I got a great question for you. I want you to spend a moment thinking about this with me for just a second. After you're dead and gone, So they placed your body in the ground. They've covered it up with dirt. Your family's had a big gathering and a get-together where everybody said how awesome you are. After you're gone, does anything about you remain? Think about it for just a second. Your clothes, they're going to split that up among the family. But to be honest with you, most of it's just going to get donated or go to the rubbish. They're going to give away your car. They're going to hand off your house. All of your worldly possessions are going to be distributed. Even your money, if you have a will, it's going to be split up among your family and friends. And if you don't have a will, are you insane? You're going to let the government decide where your money goes? But your name and your ID number and everything about you that was Uh, that represented you, it's all gone. It's all kind of disappeared moments after your death. Does anything last? Is there any lasting legacy about you? If you let that question sink in for just a second, what you're going to hear from Jesus today is a very, very famous passage from the Bible. This passage is so famous that when people think about death, when they talk about memorials, they etch this on stone in famous memorials. They write this on tombstones. They read this verse at eulogies. Jesus is describing what's left after everything else is gone, after they've laid you in the ground and covered you up with dirt. And chances are, You already know where we're going in the Bible. If you have the mobile app open, you've already got the cheat codes to today's sermon. Because here's the truth. There's one thing that passes on far beyond the grave. And it's the way that you loved. It's who you loved and how you loved. That's stronger than death. And today we get this famous passage from the Bible. And it just happens to coincide by God's gracious plan on Independence Day weekend in the United States. Now, if you were with me last week, if you were tuned in last week, you heard me discuss a struggle that I've been going through. The midpoint of the sermon, not only a struggle, but probably a little bit of a sin that I've been struggling with. I haven't loved my neighbors like I'm supposed to. I haven't loved them enough to open up to them about Jesus, who he is and what he's done for me and how he can change them too. And I've got this vision for Two Cities Church that all of us are so powerfully impacted by the love of Jesus that we just can't hang on to it anymore. We've got to tell somebody else about it. All of us have been so moved by the gospel that we believe that gospel that changed us can change other people too. We've been so impacted that we just want to be light in a dangerous, in a dark environment. We want to be who Jesus called us to be as his followers. We want to be salt. And all of you already know that salt doesn't do any good when it's sitting on the table in the shaker. It's only when salt gets out of the shaker and gets into the environment, gets into the food, that salt starts to make a difference. So basically, my vision for Two Cities Church is that we love like Jesus because we have been loved by Jesus, 
We love like Jesus, and that kind of love lasts long after we're dead and gone. Today, Jesus is going to deal powerfully with the topic of love. And I want you to do me a favor. I want you to count in your head how many times you hear the word love in eight simple verses today because it's going to come up over and over and over again. And when we start to look at John chapter 15, when we hear this very famous verse about love, the first thing that I want you to understand from Jesus is love is the thing that unites us for good. It's love that binds a couple together for a lifetime. It's God's love that lasts long after the grave. The problem with this word that we're going to deal with today is in the English language, we only have one word for love, not so in the New Testament, which means in the English language, I say I love food and I do. I say I love my Ford pickup truck and I do. I say I love my family and I do. But when I use the word love like the Bible is using it, it's the kind of love that my father in heaven has. It's perfect love. It's unconditional love. It's eternal love. And this word love is different than the other words in the New Testament that we translate love. It's God's perfect, pure, unconditional, eternal love. Listen, first two verses, five times this word shows up. Look at the Bible, John chapter 15, starting in verse nine. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, as the father has loved me, I also love you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Look, two verses, five times. Obviously, love is a really big deal to Jesus today. And Jesus wants us to hear about this agape, perfect, pure, eternal love of God. So he's going to describe what we're supposed to do as Christians. And really what Jesus is doing is he's making an analogy between us and him, him and the father. Just like I loved my father and my father loved me, that's how I expect you to love. And when you love me like I love my father and I'm loving my father like you're loving me, you're actually loving like the father loves me and I love the father. You guys can see that from the Bible today, right? Until we get to this unusual phrase that he mentions twice. He says, I want you to remain in my love. And I'm, I'm struggling with this this week because I'm thinking to myself, Jesus, I, I don't get what you mean. God's love is pure. It's perfect. It's eternal. There's no good or there's no more of God's love that you can get. There's no less of God's love that you can get. This perfect agape love that Jesus is describing today. So what do you mean when you say remain in my love? And I had to go back and look at this word. The word remain is actually the word that you would use for guarding it. Now, I don't want you to think about it like protecting it from an attack. It's the word that you would use for putting something on display in your house as your most 
treasured possession. That's the thing that I want everybody to see when they come into my house. I'm going to put this in the place of prominence and it's going to have the center of my house. That's really what Jesus is saying to us about the way that we're supposed to love. This is supposed to be the center of who we are, the center of the way that we interact with each other, the way that we interact with the world around us. It's this radical, sacrificial, life-giving love that we're supposed to have, and we're supposed to have it just like Jesus had it. We're supposed to protect this area. So if you're like me, you would have to admit, I have to guard my heart if I'm going to remain in God's love this week. And for most of us Christians, we don't really have to guard our heart against the bad things. Of course, there's temptation and there's sin that's all around us. But for most of us, our heart is far more tempted about some good things. They're just not the best things. And if I start to give my heart to the good things, I don't have enough heart left over to give to the best things. So I need to be really, really careful now that I guard my heart and give my heart to the greatest things, to the things that God wants me to devote my heart to, which means some good things are just going to have to get none of my attention and none of my heart so that I can protect my heart, guard it, remain in his love for the best things. My first challenge to you is if you're going to love like Jesus loved, then you're going to have to remain in that love. You're going to have to guard it. You're going to protect it. You're going to have to make this the center of who you are. And after you're dead and gone, people are going to talk about that. That's what they're going to talk about when they talk about you. Now, the next verse that I'm going to read is just verse 11. I separated verse 11 from all of the rest of this passage today because of the pronouns. You see, there's this fascinating language that Jesus uses about love and the word joy. Jesus is going to connect love and joy today, but maybe not the way that you would think he would connect love and joy. And what he's going to say is basically, when you love like he loves, when you have joy like he has joy, then your joy is complete, or as I put it on the screen, then your joy is full. Love delights fully. Listen to verse 11. I've told you these things, Jesus speaking to his disciples. Now follow the pronouns with me for just a second. So that my joy, Jesus is speaking. So whose joy are we talking about right now? Say it out loud. Jesus' joy, I have told you these things so that Jesus' joy may be in you, and then your joy may be complete. Whose joy are we talking about here? Jesus' joy, your joy. And Jesus is making this fascinating connection today. He's basically saying, when you love like I love, you're going to find joy that other people just simply don't have. One day, Jesus was having a conversation with a Samaritan woman, a pagan woman who was about as far away from him and her faith as you could possibly get. And it was hot, he was tired, and he was hungry. And his disciples came up to him and said, Jesus, first of all, why are you talking to this woman? Because you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to be a good Jewish rabbi, and good Jewish rabbis don't have conversations with pagan women. And secondly, Here's some food. 
Are you ready to eat? And Jesus makes this fascinating statement. He said, I have food that you don't know about, and my food fills my tummy up, and my food is to do the will of my Father. In fact, the book of Philippians says that his joy was so complete, so full, that he even rejoiced or he had joy in fulfilling the will of the Father, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. And Jesus is describing what it looks like when his people love fully. And now his love starts to get into our heart. Check this out, y'all. And our heart starts to feel joy because it just feels good to know that I'm honoring my father in heaven. And pretty soon, his joy starts to replace our joy, and our joy starts to become complete because our joy is his joy now, not our joy anymore. And it's him placing his joy in us. I was trying to think of an example for you that would describe what Jesus is saying. And I was thinking about parents, brand new parents, when they have a shiny new baby. And as a pastor, I went and visited parents in the hospital, still do that, and I pray for the baby and for the parents every time I go to the hospital. My prayer used to be that God would protect this child and that God would keep the child healthy and God would keep the child safe. Uh, I still pray those things, but now my prayer is a little bit different. Now my prayer is also that the parents would delight, rejoice in this child. See, I've met people all over the world, and every parent all over the world wants a child that will grow up to be strong and independent and noble and a good man or woman of character. Listen, even pagans, even atheists want that of their children. But believers want our children to grow up to be strong and independent and healthy and love Jesus and live their life for him. You see, maybe the miracle of birth is not just God creating a human soul that lasts for eternity, but maybe it's also how quickly a parent can fall in love with a child. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It takes weeks, it takes months, it takes years for a couple to fall in love. But when you have a baby, that baby comes out of the womb and instantly, seconds later, you're totally given over Love that human being completely and totally. It's almost impossible for any other relationship to love that fast. And newsflash, parents all know this. All human relationships are hard and a child can break your heart. So when I'm praying at a hospital, I'm praying, God, would you turn this boy into a man who loves you powerfully? and lives his life for you. God, would you turn this girl into a woman who is strong and graceful and godly and brings great joy to their parents, just like God wants to see you and I bring joy to him. And when we bring joy to him, he places his joy in us. And now we're on this cycle of we rejoice in him and he puts his joy in us and we enjoy him more so that he can put more of his joy in us. And it's just a beautiful thing. Now we get to the part of the Bible where Jesus starts to describe this famous verse, this verse that is etched in stone on memorials. They put it on park plaques. It's written on eulogies all over the world. 
Because when Jesus describes love, the kind of love that he's describing is powerful, sacrificial love. You see, God's love is a sacrificial love. And what we're called to do is to love like him, which means we're called to live sacrificially like him. I'm going to start reading in verse 12. And before we even get to this very famous verse, I want you to hear what Jesus has to say about loving sacrificially. Here's what he says. This is my command. By the way, command means it's not an option for you. If you're my child, this is the way that you're going to live. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. Pause for a second. The word as is meaning reflecting Jesus's love. Jesus, do you mean I'm supposed to reflect it in quantity? Am I supposed to love as much as you love? Yes. Jesus, do you mean I'm supposed to reflect it in quality? I'm supposed to love how you loved. Yes, I want you to love like I loved. Everybody get what he's saying here at the beginning of this passage? If you get it, nod your head like this. Okay, now you're ready for the verse that they etch in stone. If you're going to love like me, if you're going to love to the same quality and quantity that I love, then you need to understand this. No one has greater love than this. And here it comes, y'all. That they lay down their life for their friends. This is a powerful statement about Jesus' sacrifice. And now he's going to make sure that he knows what they're talking about. This is him talking to his friends. This is him talking directly to me and directly to you right now. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, I don't call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I called you friends because I have made known everything. Say everything out loud. I have made known everything that I have heard from my father. When Jesus was challenged by the religious leaders, they thought they had him in this conundrum that there's no way he could work his way out of. They said, Jesus, there's a whole lot of commandments in the Bible. There's a whole lot of laws that we're supposed to follow. Which one is the greatest? And I'm sure they were convinced he was going to sit there and bite his tongue and not give them an answer or at least spend a long time thinking. And Jesus was like, that's easy. I'll give you the answer to that one. The greatest commandment in the Bible is that you love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. And all of those religious leaders were nodding their heads and saying, yep, mm -hmm, he got that one right. And then Jesus made this shocking, startling statement because it's not written like this in the Old Testament. And the second greatest commandment is like it. You're supposed to love your neighbor, thank you, James, like yourself or like the Father. Basically, you're supposed to love the way that God loved. And I'm sure that those guys, when they challenged Jesus on this legal question, realized, uh-oh, I think he's talking about me right now because I don't love the way that God loves. I'm just looking to trick this guy so that I can bring him on trial and ultimately send him to his death. And what Jesus is saying is you fulfilled all of the law, all of the commandments. You don't need to hear any more from me. When you love God, and love your neighbor. That's all you really need to know. And he's telling them right now, listen, I have 
taught you everything you need to know, and it's really easy. It's in two verses. Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength, and love your neighbor like your, uh, as yourself, and everything else will take care of itself. And then listen to what he says next. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Now, in Jesus' day, that was a stark statement because disciples would often choose their rabbi. They would decide, I want to be like this guy, so I'm going to start to listen to him. I'm going to start to model my life after him. In fact, the most de devoted disciples would decide, I'm going to leave my family, and I'm going to start to literally follow after him and walk in his footsteps. And Jesus is saying, I just need you to remember something. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And here's why I chose you. Last week's sermon. I chose you so that you would go and produce fruit and fruit that should remain. And then he says it again, twice in two weeks. So whatever you ask the father in my name, he'll give you. This is what I've commanded you. And he says it one more time. Say the last three words out loud. This is my command. Love God and love others as yourself. This is what I commanded you. The whole law is summarized like this. Love one another. Now, those of you who were counting, how many times in eight verses did the word love show up? Thank you. Nine times in eight verses. Nobody was really paying attention all the way through the sermon. Nine times in eight verses, Jesus challenges us to love like he loved. And the real challenge today is that that kind of love is sacrificial. Basically, what Jesus is saying is, I want you to devote your life to this. And I want you to devote all that you are and all that you have to this. I, I just need to remind all of us that a sacrifice isn't really a sacrifice if it doesn't cost something and it doesn't hurt a little bit. And the ultimate sacrifice is to give up the one thing that you can't get back after it's gone. And this is the most costly thing that you can give up, which is, of course, giving up your life. So maybe it's a good time to remind all of us, you're sacrificing right now for something. All of us are living your life chasing after something. Maybe that thing that you're chasing after is power. Maybe it's prestige, maybe it's position, maybe it's a lot of other things. But the only thing really worthy of that kind of sacrifice that you're devoting your life to it is love. You see, that lasts long after you're gone, long after they've laid you in the grave. This sacrifice is a sacrifice worth making. God alone could cause the timing of our study through the book of John. We've been in the book of John for a long time, y'all. And we come to this famous passage about sacrificial love on Independence Day weekend. A weekend where we remember the warriors in this room who have put on their body armor and gone overseas and defended our freedoms. We wouldn't be where we are as a country without great men and women like this. A weekend where we think back to the founding fathers, the enormous sacrifice that they made when they placed it all on the line for this experiment in human freedom. But as believers, the greatest sacrifice ever made, the greatest freedom we'll ever find is being set truly and completely free by Jesus. And what he's calling us to do today is to love sacrificially. Actually, I'm going to take it one step further. 
He's calling us to love radically. To love like he loved. Who you and I, while we were still in our sin, he loved us and he died for us. Meaning he went after people that were in rebellion and wanted nothing to do with him. And when you love, maybe what he's calling you to do today is to love somebody who can't pay it back and doesn't deserve it. To love sacrificially and to love radically like Jesus loved. And if you're thinking to yourself, ah, I don't have the ability to do that, Jeff, because that kind of love costs too much. It's too hard to do. Well, you're absolutely right. You see, the obedience that Jesus is calling us to today is only possible by remaining in his love and being totally dependent on him. This is the great paradox of the Christian faith. True independence from self comes from being dependent on a savior. That's where real freedom is found. And I wanna show you a video. I worked hard to find this video this week. But for those of you who are tuned in online around the world, this video is gonna feel very much focused on the United States. It's not, because the content of this video is true of every country on planet Earth right now. So I want you to see just how powerfully love can change a people, even change a country, when God's people are just simply doing what he's called us to do. Check this video out, will you? Independence has never been easy. Nearly 250 years ago, it was something worth fighting for. The idea of a people who stood on equal footing, free to speak, free to wander, free to live. These were ideals worth risking everything for. Today, we find ourselves fighting old battles, not with past foes, but with ourselves. We are a nation divided. Divided by skin, divided by opinion, divided by hate. It seems the very freedoms we once fought for have become stumbling blocks. Are we too busy seeking ourselves to even recognize the tragedy which surrounds us? Do we no longer see the profound need for the hand of God? In this moment, the truth of scripture rings especially true. If we, the people, will humbly pray, turn from wickedness and seek his face, then he will hear us, he will forgive us, and he will heal this land. Today, may we remember this one simple truth, true independence, is found only in our dependence on God. When the sun sets you free, then and then alone are you free indeed. Independence comes through dependence on God. And we're called 
to this radical, sacrificial love. So in just a second, I'm going to pray for us. And I want to challenge you from what you've heard today. Maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, uh, I've never really experienced that kind of sacrificial love. Well, I've got some next steps for you. Maybe today is the day that you need to begin this journey with Jesus and you need him to radically change your soul for the first time. In just a second, I'm going to pray for you. But for all of the rest of us who know Jesus and who love Jesus, our hearts are bombarded with good things that are pulling our heart away from him. And what I'm going to pray is that this week you would protect your heart, you would guard your heart, you would remain in his love, and you would love sacrificially like Jesus loved you. This week will you take this next step and take this challenge. Bow your heads, will you? Let me pray for us. And then after that, we're going to put the love of Jesus into practice by taking communion together. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.